Hey, hey, welcome back, team. How you doing? And welcome to another episode of Beautiful Dustbecks, a show that will teach you that there are no mundane moments here in life, that each moment of your life is truly, utterly, to the utmost degree, extraordinary. And you can learn this. You can see this. You can feel this through the aspects of science. By studying the little wonders of nature, you see and unlock the epic power and understanding of the nature of yourself. So, I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm your host, Alex Hofeld. I'm a registered yoga instructor. I'm a high school science teacher. I teach biology and astronomy for the last eh, nine years. I think we're going into year nine here. I'm a CrossFit coach. I'm a nutritional enthusiast and I'm a general all-round lover of all things science and pride myself on being what I call a nerd jock, showing people that you can be both a nerd and a jock at the same time. So how you doing out there? Hopefully everything's great. Hopefully you're not a cranky, crabby, and crazy little dustbag right now. But if you are, hopefully after this episode, I can turn you into a cheerful, chewy, just cheerful, chill, cool, calm, and collected dustbag. This is like take six of the intro, so I'm not going to redo it because sometimes stringing together all those C adjectives is kind of a challenge. So anyways, before we get going here, remember, I'm getting a lot of cool feedback every week. We're upwards of like 400 downloads, give or take an episode, which is not staggering, but to you 400 out there, you're awesome. To any new listeners out there, welcome. Enjoy the ride. Let's make this happen. If you're a longtime listener, keep reaching out to me. Keep uh, People keep emailing me on the beautiful dustbags at G com, which is awesome. I got a couple of cool, interesting comments too on, um, on the, uh, what was it? The, the, the Instagram, you know, so it's wonderful. Just keep, keep reaching out to me. Keep telling me what's up. And it's great. Every time you guys open something up and give me something that's going, it just fills me up with joy. And what I'd like you to do is if, aside from leaving me the good old ratings and reviews on iTunes, which help me, and I love reading them, even if they're a little negative and have some constructive criticism is great. Share this with your friends. If you're really digging this and you're one of the people who tell me that you really love the show, please share it with people. Let's get this to grow organically as much as physically on social media and just throw it out there and let's keep this wonderful world of knowledge rolling on and keep it going. So you guys are great. Thanks for being you. Thanks for being it. Thanks for being the beautiful little Dustbeck fans that you are. And let's keep this rolling. So what are we going to talk about today? Last week we talked about, we talked about senses two weeks ago. And then this week we talked about, or last week we talked about uh, the senses of smell and how it relates to taste. And those two things integrate into the wonders of all things, flavor and wonder and actually memory. And your, you know, your smell is the closest thing to memory, which is pretty awesome. And that makes a lot of sense. All this stuff looks, makes a lot of sense through the lenses of evolution. But aside from that, again, remember your senses are your body's way of taking the energy, really what it is, light energy, sound energy, whatever kind of energy is around you and allowing it to permeate and diffuse into you. And in that array of all things allows you to walk, talk, think and feel through this world. And above all, think you get the feel. And that's the biggest thing. The more I get into this, the more I keep going. When I teach a yoga class, my centerings and my closing little meditations do surround science. And one of the things I'm realizing is that science Science fills me with gratitude. It fills me with stoke and awe, but it fills fills me with a gracious feeling of my body, of your body, of the world around me, of nature itself, because it's all connected. It's all just circles upon circles, and you get to sit here, this tiny little human that can integrate this stuff into you, that can bring these senses into yourself, and they can resonate into things that are like emotion. And we can take those emotions and turn them into imagination, and that imagination we can turn into art and music and language and talking, feeling, sensing, thinking, 
amazing feeling. Yeah, that's amazing. So remember, we were talking about the sense of smell and the sense of taste, and that's your most like primal of all the senses. And then you just wonder, you know, break it down into allowing yourself to get a bad sense of something, and you know, the funniness of that. If you actually smell a fart, you're actually inhaling poop molecules. Uh, you'll be okay. A lot of diffuse. There's a lot of molecules up into the air. And <clears throat> if not, sorry, that was probably aggressive in your ears. <laughs> if not, you know, think of the world of flavor. Think of the world of take your most, just imagine and close your eyes for a little mindfulness here and picture your favorite thing. Mine is sushi. I can eat sushi all day. Why do we love sushi? We love it because of the taste, but if you really break it down, there's taste, there's texture, there's chewiness, there's array of flavors, there's the beginning, middle, and end, the aftertaste, the emotions that it goes. And most of that, what you're, what you're actually tasting is you're actually smelling it. So just imagine that. It'll make you slow down. It'll make you inhale, you know, not inhale your food so much. A good practice is always mindful eating. It'll help you with your nutritional goals. It'll also help you just enjoy the things that you are. And now we've also talked about in previous episodes, the idea is that you're built, you're taking in the building blocks of you. And then again, it's all connected. I could take entire episodes where you just link all the different shows together and continue onwards and upwards. But I want to talk to you guys today about the sights and sounds of the world. Our final two senses here, not really our final two, there's a lot more to it. Next week, I'm going to talk about touch and what we call proprioception. And that'll round out my little senses rants here. But the ear and the eye are amazing. And you know, we'll start with the eye because that's the one that we really talk about the most. And it's the one we we actually get like 70% of our internal stimulus comes into us through the eyeball. And the eyeball is amazing. The eyeball is this amazing concoction of a bunch of different things. And you know, if you talk about like intelligent design and other stuff like that, other aspects of trying to figure out nature, one of the things that always goes into, comes up in play is if the eye is so wondrous, how could it have just been designed by nature? I actually kind of think that the that the ear is even more so important but this. But you can. I'm not going to get into it today because this is not an, this is not a you know hold I don't know I'm not going to like rant on evolution but you can easily track how eye spots turned into this and aside from evolution when we get into this not aside from including evolution remember you're just this tapestry this kind of resonant vibrating form that can respond to these waves that can respond to these waves of sound or these waves of light and again it'll permeate into you and the reason we can do this the reason we have these abilities is again because of the wonders of evolution just generations upon generations of random mutations over eons and eons and eons. Remember, we talked about this earlier, giving you the idea of the scale that it took and the time required to make these things be the things that you are, the structures and functions of yourself. You know, the grand scale of humanity is a human hair at the end of a football field. If the football field was Earth, the 4.5 billion year history, let alone the 13.7 billion year history that is the universe... We, our entire homo sapien race, exist on a human hair at the end of the football field. And remember that when you're talking and thinking and getting these emotions about science, this concept of deep time are righteous. So over that eons of stuff, as we've continued onwards and upwards through this, we've been given this through pretty much the winners. You know, nature is competition. Nature is the winners pass on their genes to the next. And again, gratitude. Through the winners of evolution, we have been given this homo sapien body with these sensory organs that allow us to intake the world around us and turn it into the things that we touch and feel and think and see and smell and taste. Yeah. 
amazing. We'll talk, I'll rant more about this in a little bit later of what we can do with that. So starting with the eyeball, the eyeball starts, it has, it has a cornea, a pupil, an iris, your lens, the retina. It has viscous fluid in here, aqueous and vitreal humor that gives it the structure. You get this conjunctiva. You also get your tear ducts. You know, something as crazy as tears. And then you also have these ligaments and muscles that control the entire thing. So when the light enters, it's light energy, guys. It's starlight. We bounce things off of us. And one of the things to get a little appreciation of the planet as we go through these senses... Our senses are the tapestry for our senses as they exist today. The atmosphere is really the medium that light travels through. It's also the medium that allows for sound waves to go. You go out in space and I say like, hey bro, what's up you beautiful dust speck? That sound will go through space, but it has no medium to create a force behind to slam into your ear. The world that we have today of this amazing atmospheric composition that we talked about that is why life is here is the atmosphere. It bends and reflects and reflects, reflects and refracts waves of light to give you the color spectrum that it is today. If like the atmosphere of Jupiter or something cr- cr- like crashed down into this planet, it would change the way that we see the world. And that's a cool thing, you know? So we have these senses and these emotions that are today. So if you ponder the ideas of beauty, art, wonder, and awe, it exists because of the medium that this planet has been given us through the random evolutionary occurrences of nature itself. The atmosphere has changed wholeheartedly throughout all time and space, and it's continuing to change, which is why we should care about global warming, because the environment is the environment we love. It's what allows us to be the things that we are. So I'll talk about that one day. I am actually a, you know, global... Global Climate Reality Leadership Ambassador, trade by Al Gore in his conference. It was awesome. I got to see a uh, live presentation of it. I was very, like, fanboy with Al Gore running around out there. I was like, oh, my God, there's Al. No way. So, anyways... So as the light comes through, it's going to hit the cornea. The cornea is the beginning. It's this tough, transparent area. You know, it's it's what it's what's right in the front of it, and it'll the light will enter through the pupil. The pupil is that little black dot in the center of it. Most of you guys probably know this. And then the iris is the color of it. You know, the wonders of the color of the eye. You have beautiful eyes, and I don't. I'm colorblind. We'll talk about that later. So people are always like, Are your eyes blue or green? I'm like, I don't know. You tell me, man. I'm colorblind. The iris controls the pupil, and I don't know if any of you guys tweaked out on this. I was a nerd when I was a kid. I used to go into the mirror and I would take a flashlight and I would shine it at my eye, kind of like not like, you know, hold it in there because I'd be terrible, but I'd flick it back and forth. And I was marveled by the, you know, intuitive reflexes of the eyeball stimulating and being opening and closing relative to light. And again, the wonders of the thing that you're, you don't have to think it, you don't have to do it. Your eye just takes over and does it based on the light that is entering it and it controls it. You know, if you have like dilated poop, dilate, I would say pupils because I was that old hip hop band, dilated pupils. If they're open like that, you have to wear sunglasses because you can damage your eyeball. Fully dilated eyeballs in a bright day like it is today here in Ingleside, Illinois. I live by the lake. It's gorgeous right now. Uh, it would damage you. It would it would fry the retina, so it constricts and contracts and goes on. That's why also you know as stuff goes, as you you adapt to night, your your eyesight is adaptive, and the iris is controlling that. It controls the pupil size of it, which is vital to what goes on. Then behind that is this lens. This lens, which is it's this this hard thing. If you've ever, it's it's pretty much like cartilage. Um, you know, we actually get to dissect the sharks. We don't do them anymore. We used to dissect the sharks in bio, and you could actually take out their lens, and their lens was just this round ball. It wasn't pliable, which is why they had terrible eyesight, which we actually could do a whole... I mean, I'll do some episodes down the road of, like, the wonders of the different senses of all the different animals throughout the world. Sharks have more of an electrical stimulus and smell more so than everything. Their olfactory bulbs are epic. Sorry, I'm getting on a, on a shark rant here. Is it Shark Week coming up? Might be. Pretty much. I never really watched Shark Week too much, but I grew up watching Jaws. It freaked me out and loved it at the same time. 
So the lens's job is actually to focus the light onto the retina, and the retina is really where the money's at. The retina is the back of it, that beautiful eye. If you ever get to go to your optometrist and have them take a picture of your retina, it's, it's gorgeous. It's really pretty. A, a science teacher in sixth grade gave them to me in, on little like uh, Polaroids, and I kept them for a long time. I don't know why. I thought it was really neat. And they're very, that's the light. That's the sensitivity to the light. And it brings it into what's called the fovea, which is the focal point right at the back of your eye, which is a pretty cool thing. So the lens itself, let alone the retina, the lens is an amazing thing to do. It's actually this ligament and it's controlled by these muscles. And there's like the orbis oculi that controls your eyelid, which is really important. There's other ones around it. I think there were four of them in tenor that actually can like change the depth of the eye, constrict or contract it, smush it. And also mainly what it does is it can, it'll, it'll contract to push it to allow the ligaments to expand which will then allow the allow it to you know it'll allow it to like shrink the it'll it'll uh, shrink the lens to when you're looking at something nearsighted. So when you're nearsighted, you squint. You know, you're actually squinting to constrict the muscle to let the ligament relax. That'll make the make the lens a little thicker, which will focus the divergent light on it more. That's why you squint when you're trying to read something. Far away, the muscles will relax and the ligaments will, con- will pull the thing out wide. It'll pull it long, allowing you to take in more light from the near from the distant you know the distant vision that you're looking at. And actually, nearsightedness and farsightedness. I just learned because that's the wonders of this awesomeness that is knowledge. Is I give the get you an episode i learned stuff along the way which is super fun nearsightedness is actually the length of your eyeball nearsightedness and farsightedness nearsightedness is your eyeball is actually too long farsighted your eyeball is actually too short which is pretty cool that's an amazing thing to think about so as the lens constricts and retracts it's going to put it onto the retina and the retina is amazing and if you guys have known this, I've grown up my entire life with colorblindness. It's something that, like, every time I go to an optometrist, they're like, you, 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 know, you know you're colorblind? You know your son's colorblind? We're like, yeah, of course we know he's colorblind. Have you ever seen me dress? Super stressful to live by yourself because I'm like, oh, man. When I lived with my mom and sister and my dad, I was able to come down before work and be like, hey, do I match? And, you know, it, it still happens. There's, I guess I, you want to I, – I, I don't have feedback, but I'll give you a funny story. So it just gives you an idea how you're – you know, I'll save that for later. We'll save the story for later. I have a crazy colorblind story. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. We're we're getting we're, let's, let's do this. Let's get back to the rods and cones. So the retina, my bad. They have what's on there, what's called photoreceptors. And remember, photo is light, and that's just a cool word. Photoreceptors, photoing in, receiving the light onto your eye, visual, actual energy. And remember, the world around us is awash in colors, depth, and 3D, 3D, everything, because of the way that the world bounces light off of it. You see something blue, everything is absorbed in that except for blue, and the blue bounces back and you get to see it. That's black, right? Everything is absorbed. White is everything is reflected. And that was the wonders of Isaac Newton, one of the greatest discoveries of all time, was that if you take white light, shine it through a prism, you get the spectrum, the Roy G. Bib of everything. The Bib, the Iv, the V is very, or the I, the indigo is an interesting topic. Topic one day we'll talk about it might not be real and then later on uh oh man fritz haber no not fritz haber that's the guy who did venner mush guess dang it von fraunhofer he was able to actually see and put it through a spectrogram and he released spectroscopy which is we'll have an entire episode on one day because it's our window into the universe it expands our eyeballs into wonderness of everything so the photoreceptors have what's on it, the rods and the cones. The rods give you the dim light. They're their ability to pick up light intensity where the cones pick up colors. So the rods have the greatest density actually on the outer regions of the retina, not directly behind what's called the fovea, not directly behind the um, the, the focal point of where the light is because that'd be really intense. So I actually read if you're ever out stargazing or out at night in a dim light setting and you want to focus on something, focus slightly to the side of it 
and your brain will be able to pick it up better. You'll be able to see it more and more as you get going. And that's pretty neat. So you actually go through it. And in the day daytime, you can actually look right at it. And it has this amazing visual pigment called rhodopsin, which is from, is, is, is a Vita. It's from, it's a, I'm sorry, Vita. I had, I, I just read my shorthand on my dry erase board. It's, it's from Vita, vitamin A. I put Vita. <laughs> and that's where, you know, it, vitamin A and vitamin A deficiency can actually cause night blindness and other really hindrances of your, of your eyes. And that's an amazing thing. It can control it. And they'll, they'll activate, you know, the rods will upregulate and downregulate as you go, right? And that's what happens when, you know, I wake up and I shine, you pull the curtain aside. The, the rods are really active. They're not acclimated for the intensity that is the, um, the light. And it kind of hurts, right? But what's the first thing you do? You squint. You dilate the pupil. You dilate the muscle. You kind of get the light to go in, you bring your eyelids over, or you just cover your eyes up until they slowly, slowly activate. The cones turn back on and the the rods down regulate because your eyeballs are always on. Even when you close your eye, you're just not, you're not turning your vision off. You're just seeing the blackness that is your eyeball. To shine a light at your, at your, at your, at your closed eye, you'll see it because your eyelids are opaque. So as this goes through, this rhodopsin allows us to move. The cones, though, are pretty cool. The cones allow us to perceive color. And it's pretty neat to think about. Sorry, I just bumped my mic. This, the, the, I'm trying a standing desk because I talk with my hands a lot, and it's kind of interesting. So as we go through, you actually have this blue, red, and green green cones. And all those do is they truly just absorb those different pigments. And what these things are, they're little, like, you should look them up. It's, I can't, it's hard to visually show you, but it has these little grana, these little membranous uh, pores that allow it to stack. And those, based on the way those turn and change, they release neuroreceptors into the neurons, which create action potentials that allow it to go to the final step of it, which is called the optical nerve, and take it to the brain and get it a wash in this. But first off, the color. Think of the whole spectrum of color. We believe as humans, we can see upwards of 10,000 different colors, but the blue, red, and green only absorb blue, red, and green. So that's pretty neat. So it's a it's, it's, it's a combination. It's a symphonic little nature of how the blue, the reds, and the greens in different textures, temperatures, tones, hues can come together to create the wonders of the color spectrum that is us, right? Imagine we just lived in a world that was simply blue, red, or green. That's pretty neat. And this is what's up with me. This is what goes on with my body is I'm colorblind. So I have what the most common is called red-green colorblindness. If you have no cones, if you have blue, red, and green, you're going to be monochromatic because you can't pick up color. All you can pick up is the white, the black, and the grays from the rods themselves. And that's a total misconception of colorblindness. People are always like, oh my God, do you see color? My favorite game. If you ever meet me in person, go ahead and play it. Be like, oh man, let's play the what color is this game. I'm being facetious. Stop asking me that stupid question. And sure as heck, don't say, hey, what color is the blue boat? <laughs> but then they'll also ask me, like, what color is the sky? And I'll say like bright orange or something. They'll be like, whoa, no way. I'm like, what? It's not? You know, those new, they have those new, uh, those new glasses too that kind of freak me out. I'm not sure if I want to wear those around and see what the world looks like. Just keep it the way it is with me right now. So as they travel through, as they hit the, as they go, my red green, the red and the green cones, because I have red green color blindness, will blend. They'll have an, they won't be able to fully determine what's up, and the two colors will look very similar. And that, that's the easiest way to describe color blindness. I see everything. I see all the colors of the world as I, I, I believe I do. I have a hard time telling them apart. I'm looking outside at my neighbor's boat who has a navy blue boat cover, and based on the lighting and the characteristics of everything, it, it's hard for me to tell if it's blue or purple, red or green, red or pink, yellow and orange. Randomly, you know, I'll show up at work, and like last year I showed up, my buddy Tyler's like a, the fashionista, and he's like, 
He's like, hey, man, sweet grout fit. I'm like, what do you mean grout fit? I was wearing gray shoes, gray pants, and what I thought was a blue and light blue sweater. Turns out it was a dark gray, light gray sweater, and I was rocking a pretty mean gray suit. I killed it, though. I crushed it. I continued to teach, power it on through. So every once in a while at school, I'll show up in a in a pretty pretty bad you know bad outfit, and I have to tell my co-teachers and students, like, be nice. You don't need to be mean about it because it kind of stresses me out. So they're actually going to go. So aside from the color blindness, as the rods and cones integrate together, you get this wondrous of all things. The photoceptors are going to change the permeability of the membranes, create this action potential. And if you look it up on the Internet and you see the images from behind the rods and cones before it hits the optical nerve, it goes through this wild maze of all these different types and, and, and like huge just array of neurons. And your body can actually do that. It, it can actually take these action potentials. Remember, it's traveling. It's like electricity traveling like 200. 65 miles per hour jumping the synaptic gaps and again it's all neurotransmitters it's the same thing these little chemicals that can jump the gap as it goes and it creates this wild maze that actually sharpens the images and now the wonder of us the wonder thing that we can do is that the 3d the depth of the world which is vital if you lose depth i I had a friend one time who had a had terrible eyesight and if i threw a ball at her she was just bad at it because she was so afraid of it hitting her because she had very little she had challenges with her depth perception so truly what this does is our eyeballs just take the light in take in the color take in the density take in the dimness and and, you know mix it all together and again through it through running through the optical nerve the wonders of the brain or what turned it into this so as i scan right now and i'm scanning through my living room or you're scanning through the road that you're driving on or the treadmill you're running on or whatever your eyeball right now is just bending and flexing manipulating and challenging as you focus far short here there peripherals all these things it's in this constant state your eye is in almost constant motion and the muscles of that again is just so wondrous that it can do it and you don't have to think about it you have to do nothing you just look you just scan the room and your body's going to do this like a amazing adaptive you know integrating of the light to give you a three-dimensional image of the wonders of what you are and that's why the sounds the 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 the, the you know like the the vision that we are is so intense and that's why I, I my friend tanner who's blind like you just it's just a it, what a life man i mean the guy still does these things and we'll talk about how those two things relate together so he can play awesome stuff like beat baseball and all that but and if, also if you know him we'll talk more about this next week it's cr- crosstalk how if you lose one sense your body like upregulates it into to others and most of our most of this it, it's something like 29 percent of our visual cortex is actually integrated through this and you know there's huge amounts 170 million rods and cones on the foci where where the cones are there's 150,000 cones per square millimeter of the eye whoa and their visual pigment i missed this one is what's called it's called photoopsin and it's the same thing it's from vitamins as well so these two different vitamins these things that you get from your food people that you get from the stuff you integrate allow you to make these amazing maps of the world that you see so that's eyesight eyesight is the thing we were probably most attached to however i truly think that one of the most powerful things out there is really the sense of sound so before we get into sound i was at a baseball game we went to a cubs game and if you we didn't go we actually were supposed to go and i screwed up the title but I was thinking about it. I screwed up the dates. And as I was thinking about it, if you just see a ball fly through, you see somebody swing and whack, you know, and it, it, you don't even, you don't hear the whack. You just see it and it goes. You have like noise canceling headphones on. The ball hits a home run. You're like, okay, cool. That's a pretty amazing thing. However, take the headphones off. And what do you hear? You not the best part of it. One of my favorite parts of sports. I'm a huge golfer. My, one of my favorite, probably my favorite sound in sports is crushing the pins in a strike. I used to be a really avid bowler as well. So you take that swing and you hear you know Rizzo or 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 Bryant hit that ball 
what stimulates the emotions of that intense, instantaneous, like, yeah, it, it's the sound, that whack, and that incredible, incredible explosion off the bat, followed by, you know, like the levitation of the sound of all the people jumping up simultaneously to cheer for it. I'm a huge Blackhawks fan, and every once in a while, my dad and I get these amazing tickets, we get to sit on the bottom, right, and it's the sound of the of the stadium. You've never been to the United Center, uh, Chicagoans cheer, clap really, la- really loudly through the entire, you know, the entire uh, national anthem. And when the Hawks score, because hockey is by far the best sport to watch, it the, the whole the whole stadium levitates upwards, and it's 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 it see it looks awesome, but more than anything, it's the sound of everything. So that's the first connection here. The sight and sound connection shows you how that is, and nothing can quickly and effectively withstand and change your emotions as rapidly as sound. So some argue it's the most, you know. My buddy James that just emailed me, I think it was, I think it was James. Sorry, James. You know who I am. You know who you are. I just screwed, I just might have screwed up your name. I should have written that down. I'm pretty sure it's James. He's talking about, he wants to be an audio engineer and looking at all this and how our brain can actually challenge these things and how science has broken down the physics of sound so well that they can almost trick your mind into trying to pick up something like bass riffs, taking a speaker like your phone or computer that cannot generate the, the hertz to give it what a true bass sound is. They can trick it with the two ears. And we, again, remember, we live in a world where we have a three-dimensional context one of the things that's awesome about the eye as well is that we have two of them and the two of them actually take away negate out the two what's it's actually blind spots in our eye from where the focus is and allow it to create this 3d image from both sides if you close one eye you're you turn off half of the half of your visual cortex our ears are the same way our ears respond to the two different ways as we go so this whole thing of this, as we get going, let's, we'll go through the anatomy of the ear really quick. And I got some just amazing statistics on this. So the anatomy of the ear starts with the outer ear, what we call the pinnae. That's the floppy thing that you see in this weird, cool concoction. Its job is to funnel sound to the tympanic membrane, which is your eardrum. That's all it does. It gathers sound. It's directional. You want to sound better, you do the little, huh? Like you just pull your ear up, you know, and you actually co- cup your ear and you will hear more sound. More information will come to your mind as you get going. The middle ear, though, is really cool. The middle and inner ear are really the greatest things. So the middle ear has on it, right behind the tympanic membrane, as the air currents go, as you create a sound, you're hearing me right now, even in the slightest thing, if you have tight earbuds on, I'm throwing air. I'm manipulating air at your body. Remember we talked about language in a previous episode? I'm oscillating air with my vocal cords, changing it with the correlation of my mouth to spit forth the wonders of language, the words, the thoughts, the feelings, emotions in my head, giving it to you, and it can then resonate and it'll slam into your eardrum. So that eardrum will resonate at these incredible frequencies. And that's the wonders of this. I I want these stats. What am I going to tell you these stats? So, you know, it resonates with it. And as it resonates, it'll move the tympanic membrane. And that's going to move these three teeny tiny itty bitty little bones called the malus, the incus, and the stapes, more known as the hammer, anvil, and stirrup. And this is what turns the air, turns the air medium into a fluid medium. So it can transfer this into the inner ear, which is called the cochlear. And when it gets into that, that's an amazing thing. This anti, it's a hard word to say, antenucation. These bones enable us to give it, to cope, to turn the sound waves into fluid waves. And if you threw air, if you threw like a sound wave at water, most of the water, most of that sound would reflect off the water, would disperse, and you would not get an, you would not get an amplification 
perception of it. Our ears actually manipulate and amplify the world around us upwards of 20x, 20x amplification. How cool is that? That's an amazing thing to think about. And as it does this, it'll rack the hammer and anvil and stirrup. It'll move in these tiny little ways, and it'll move in what's called the cochlea, actually moving towards the true organ of sound called the organ of of corti. And this is a fluid-filled inner ear. This is the cool thing. Cochlear literally means like it means like snail. It means like uh, snail shell. It, it's it's designed like this little um, it's just a little swirly thing that's big at the end, narrower at the or it's narrow at the beginning, bigger. No, nope, no, nope, bigger at the opening, narrower at the end as it goes inwards. And it has these little things that are these hair cells. And this is the sound. This is what truly allows you to go into this. So as it moves, it's going to move this membrane. It moves this membrane that actually bends and flexes the hairs, and the hairs move around it. And it allows it to then change. It'll bend the hairs at different... It's called the basilar membrane. It'll bend the basilar membrane, which will bend the hairs, which will open up these little ion channels. And again, neurotransmitters will emit forth based on this. And it's like a little piano. The hairs are different lengths, thicknesses, and frequencies attuned to various different degrees. And it'll bend to do that to give you the wonders of, of pitch and tone and harmony. Think of a band harmonizing and like, you know, like listen to Glee or something like that. Just the symphonic nature of the layers of sound, how instantaneously your ears can listen to that and do that. It also has an awesome thing that has this excuse me, this round window at the end that actually allows the sound to escape. It'll actually let it go so you don't get bounce back. So it'll go, it's on a one-way trip through the air and it'll exit through the round window and you won't get the bounce back. If it does, if you do get blockages, that's actually ringing or tendinous or tendinitis. That's the ringing in your ear. So I always talk to my kids about this. When you do that, you, you downgrade your hearing rapidly. As you just move through life, your hearing goes downwards and downwards as you go. And that happens from the bending of these hairs. There's images in my textbooks where some of the hairs are laying down. They're snapped. They're broken. So if you go to, if you go to these ideas, if you go to uh, like a, a concert or something like that, your ears can pick up this epic range of one decimals to 10 decibels. So if it, it, it's a huge range, so it has a factor of 10. So your average rock concert is upwards of 90 decibels. That is actually a billionth times stronger than a whisper. So what I'm telling you that for is, A, watch out for that. You know, it's truly in reality, I know you're like rock and roll lifestyle, baby. You know, you're actually damaging your hearing every time you go to something. It, 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 the, 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 the tympanic membrane can go rapidly change, and it creates a force. And if you overload the force, it sends too big of a shockwave and bends and breaks the hairs. And you actually get this echo effect. Dr. Tom Reacher, who was on his podcast, you should check it out, The Positivity Effect, he He's actually an audiologist, and we were talking about this. He's a doctor in the ear, and it's pretty much like a phantom limb phenomena. That you get this echo back of the hairs and the manipulators going. I've also heard that it bends and snaps and releases this massive amount of uh, neurotransmitters, and that's that ringing. So when you hear that ringing, it's literally your ears going like, I'm dying. Anyways, but that's just cool to think that we can pick up anywhere from a, a whisper, like, hey, man, how you doing? How you going? Or all the way to a billion times stronger of a rock band concert. And we can do this because our ears, these tiny little areas, have this incredible ability to pick up sound. The softest audible sound we can get is equivalent to a 50-watt bulb. So picture a 50-watt bulb, your average light bulb, on, and you listen to it. You hear that little hum, that bzzz. You, your ears could technically pick up that 50-watt bulb at 3,000 meters away. What? And it can do this because the true movement of the tympanic membrane, the movement of the eardrum, and the movement of the hammer and anvil stirrup are truly sub-microscopic. They move at a diameter at a resonance form equal to one-tenth the diameter of a hydrogen atom. 
<laughs> one four millionth parts of the diameter of a human hair, and it responds to atmospheric pressure changes that can range upwards, downwards of one times ten to the negative ninth atmospheric pressures. That's a one with nine zeros in front of it. Insane, millionths of strong of a true atmospheric pressure that go. So your ears are just this wonderful vibrating resonance form of all things around us, and it vibrates in response to these waves that cycle between fifteen hertz cycles and twenty-five wavelengths and frequencies right oh is a big wavelength is as high as a high wavelength and we can pick those two things up and manipulate them so that's the ear the ear allows us to do these these rock things and it also is this incredibly closed almost vacuum system and that's the wonders of your eustachian tube your eustachian tube is an amazing thing that actually drains in also, your tear ducts do this as well. Remember we talked about the sinus cavity? Your tear ducts are this a wondrous thing to keep your eyes fluid, to keep things out of it. And there's also science that shows that it'll actually incre- uh, decrease stress. It actually drips into the nasal cavities, which gives you the sniffles. So when you see you know, like the... <laughs> and you're, you're crying like a cool human being, because cool human beings cry all the time. And they do. It's, I'm serious. I cry at movies all the Forrest Gump, man. When he puts down that note and mom and crayon, dang, gets me every time. Just ooh, right in the center. So as we get going, as the tear ducts get moving, it drains into the sinus cavities. Our eustachian tubes also balance out the pressure into our sinus cavities. That's why, you know, if you ever sneeze really loud or don't pop your ears by holding your nose because you'll put, you'll put snot into your eustachian tube, this tiny little thing that if it gets blocked and it gets blocked with bacteria, from your from your from your sinus cavity you're going to get an ear infection and that's the worst you want to be around me when i'm the biggest baby on the planet give me an earache a couple weeks ago i was wake skating water went up my nose i got pressure i had all my hail family i was like oh god and everyone's making fun of me because i'm a big baby when it comes to that i hate earaches but that regulation will go and that's what happens when you have a cloudy sound in your ear if the eustachian tube can't open it can't regulate the pressure so they'll actually create a little vacuum and suck backwards in the inner middle and inner ear and it'll hold the tympanic membrane at a different frequency and it won't be able to vibrate as well. So it'll, it'll feel muffled. It'll feel, you know, it'll feel like you'll be mute. You won't be able to hear it quite as well as, as you go there. And that's a cool thing. And then as you go, when that pop goes, that's the pop of the fluid of the, of the pressure releasing in the eustachian tube. Pressure of going up in the plant, going up in a, in different, you know, downwards in a pool or up in the air. Those different changes will actually pop your ears. And that's an awesome thing. You really don't have to think too much about it. Your body's just going to do it, going to regulate the physical characteristics of the inner pressures of your inner ear to allow you to keep going. So that's amazing, guys. And the coolest thing, before I start ranting here a little bit on the wonders of these two senses... These two things integrate really intensely, more so than we can do. You know, we have the ability to actually change our, our stuff. You know, our, our nature will mess with our senses and it'll change it. If any of you guys are into drinking, which I hate drinking, you know when you get the blurred vision? I was actually reading that the blurred vision actually works from when you drink, you're decreasing, you're limiting the amount of glucose your brain can absorb. And at the point, they've done studies that when you're, when you're inebriated, 29% less glucose is going to get absorbed into the visual cortex. So they think the brain may actually not be able to stimulate and put together and piece together all the true stimulus of the visual cortex around you. It's pretty cool. Like you don't, you don't have like blurry hearing when you get in, you know, you know what I mean? It's kind of an interesting thing to think about. And it's all just based on how the mind perceives the stimulus that goes into us. So a really cool effect is called the McGurk effect. And there's this awesome, you can see, you just search McGurk effect on Google and it shows that this guy, 
it, it, it shows how really our sense of sight is almost more important than our sense. It, it's more, it manipulates our brain more than our sense of sound. So what he does is he's doing this, he's making this ba, ba, ba noise with, and make it really enunciating with his lips. And then they change the sound and his face stays ba, 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 but they play, but they play ah, ah, ah. And you're, you're, even though he's making the sound, they've changed the, I'm sorry, I did it backwards. They change, they keep the sound the same, but change the way his lips move. And we pick up the lips moving as an ah, ah, ah. And in reality, the true sound is ba, ba, ba. And our brains mix it up and flip it. It was really cool to watch. It's a very interesting little nerdy video. So that's the cool stuff about this, guys. All right, so when we break down the science of the ear and the eye, the mundane gets amazing. Just me looking at my board right now is this symphonic, awesome, epic, epic, just, it's crazy going on. My brain and my body and my eyes are just manipulating and advancing. Stimulus and action potentials ripping through, constantly stimulating the red ink, the orange ink, the black, the blue, the black of my microphone, the blue of my shirt, just going backwards and forwards, constantly internally stimulating this. Mixing that with my sense of sound. I can hear my my voice in my headphones right now as I'm ranting and raving here, the up and down articulations of the sounds of the difference. If I get really excited and really high or really intense and really low, my brain will do it instantaneously. And that's it. We are awash in this world, this earth that is tailor-made to be a canvas, a tapestry, an ether of awesomeness, an ether of senses. And we get to be the creature. We get to be the evolved creature that don't have to use the senses for survival entirely. We don't take all of our energy of sights, sounds, and smells, and taste even to survive, to walk through the Serengeti and be like, is that a tiger? Oh, God. Is it a There's no, I know. I, I always do that. There's no tiger in the Serengeti. You know, is that a cheetah? No, it's not a cheetah. Okay, it's a cheetah. And they're like, it comes out and it rips your throat out. You know, like nature is just the most gnarly thing on the planet. So we have evolved past that. We've evolved the ability to be a social creature, to manipulate nature around us, to give us a comfortable life. And now nature has been able to. We've been able to pass down generations upon generations of higher attuned senses to the higher workings of this to be able to create art music. What? We can create art. We can manipulate pigments on different canvases and different textures, huge, and ideas to create the Mona Lisa. We can create a symphony. We can get a huge piece of 50 different instruments and 50 individual peoples controlled by one man's hand movements to resonate into the ether this amazing sound in an orchestra hall that is acoustically engineered to amplify the sound, and it resonates into us. We see, a, we hear a song. We see an art. We see them both mixed together. You hear these words coming from my face. And I change your inner workings. I change your internal proprioception of your emotions. And you can then take those emotions in and you can then share them back with me. You can take what's in your imagination, this sense of self, the sense of awe and wonder surrounding you and how you internally interpret it yourself individually. And you can choose to manipulate these amazing flanges, these hands, these mouths, these airs, these vocals, these larynxes, these vocal cords. And you can bring them forth into the world. You can share your art. You're, you can share your imagination with me. You do not open your mouth or move your hand. I do not know what's in your mind. It is a lockbox of infinite awesome and potential, but it's not shared with me. We can share it. We can share it through art. We can share it through music. We can just simply share it through language and our sense of touch. We can take the world around us and manipulate and modify this epic, in, infinite awesome potential that is Earth, a tailor-made planet that has just the right amount of atmosphere to be the medium for sound to travel and light to be manipulated and absorbed to get these two things colliding together to embrace the wonder that is life to embrace the feeling 
feeling of this. And the science and the senses not only allow you to survive, it's the way we input stuff, take the data from the day and turn it into the things that we need, like hunger, thirst, survival, sleep, all this. We can take the other times to create. We can choose to be a creative person. We can choose to take our senses and then put food and nutrition and wonder and mindfulness into the mind and the body, which will attune the senses to a higher degree. I have a big mug of buttered coffee right here. I'm a huge believer in the buttered coffee, but drink it for three years. It stimulates my brain. It amps up my ability to think and feel, which amps up my ability to change the world, amps up my ability to resonate this microphone into your ear. I'm taking my imagination, my voice, and I'm transferring it to you all over the globe via this wondrous world of technology to change the proprioception of the world around you today. And you can email me back. You can use your fingers to take your imagination in the language and share it with me. And I'll have that little voice inside my head of this person being like, oh my God, I love your your podcast. And it'll change both of us. We'll change together. You can click and share this with the world right now. And we can get these things rolling. We can get the manipulation of the world walking, talking, thinking, and feeling. And this was just an awesome, cool thing to think about. In reality, it's your eyeball and it's your ear. Yeah, I can see and I can hear. What do I care about? You care because now you know. Now the smallest moment, if you're feeling down, you're feeling out, you're feeling bummed, you're feeling depressed, turn on your favorite song. Not only turn it on and be in it, Feel how it changes you. Feel how that song resonates with something. The most bad day can almost be instantly shifted or relative or entirely 180 change by your jam coming up. Uh, you know, like I'm having a bad day. Taylor Swift comes on the radio. Shake it off. Shake it. I'm just like, yes, I'm going to shake it off earth. And let's do this because I'm an amazing walking, talking, thinking, feeling thing. I can go on. I can look at colors. My favorite shirt, my favorite whatever. It's just senses, taking the senses into us to get the feeling of life. And that's what this is about, guys. It's about embracing and being gratitude for the little tiny moments of existence you get on this perfect tailor-made planet, this tailor-made planet for art, longing, love, wonder, awe, sadness, happiness, the grand scale of human emotions. Those emotions exist from the neurochemistry of our body. The neurochemistry of our body is manipulated by what senses come into ourself, and that is awesome. So go out and feel, sense the awesomeness in the now, and be the people that you want to be. Make a little change, embrace what you are, be the thing that you you'll ever and for always want to be because you are epic. You are a wondrous, teeny tiny, beautiful little dust speck and I love you for it and you're amazing. So again, if you're digging this, if you're feeling this, if this works for you, please send back your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. Tell me what your most astounding fact is you've learned so far or learn forever. Share with me your internal imagination. Create something via email or via the web or on my Facebook page Beautiful Dust Specks on Facebook, Instagram Beautiful Dust Specks, at Alex Hofelt on Instagram or on Twitter, or just email me at beautifuldustbecks.com and I'll pop, I'll pop it up on my webpage and the world can see how we're, we're, we're making each other change. And that's the awesome stuff, guys. You know, if anything else goes on, if you want to support me, you can go through, you can actually donate right now. If you email me, I'll give you the links to my donation page. I'm running the Milwaukee Marathon in a few weeks. I'm going to try, I need to raise, in about a month, I need to raise a $1,500 for Action for Healthy Kids, a wondrous, cool, awesome charity that allows, that gives, uh, that gives, um, sorry, it, it, create, it creates healthy food, gives healthy food abilities for inner city students. And I'm also going to soon have a page up. I'm going to try, I want to chain, turn my, turn my, uh, classroom into a stand up desk classroom. Lots of cool stuff going on. So even if you're not want to help the podcast, you can help me help, help other people. And also I'm sponsored by naturalstacks.com. Natural Stacks is an amazing supplement company that uses peer reviewed science, open source stuff all the time. I take all their stuff because s- supplements can help you. A better nutrition will attune your 
senses to awesome. And you can use the code AlexH10 to get 10% off. Tell me how you're feeling. Love it. I use the creatine. I use the BCAs. And then the nootropics are really amazing. These 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 cool chem, these cool supplements that help you think and feel at a higher rate. Now, it does work, and it's all based on science. So check that out. If not, you want to do none of that. Just be you. Be the thing that you are. Love each moment of life. I love you guys, and I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.